Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. We don't have a crystal ball, nor do you. But with mass vaccination taking root, we're hoping the future soon looks brighter and borders will open again to travel in the not-too-distant future. So, with that, on this episode, we'll share some things we hope happen when travel kicks off again, cross our fingers that certain trends are left in the past, and imagine travel anew. With that said, all items discussed might not materialize, then again, some of them may. So join us as we look to that light beginning to emerge at the end of the tunnel and start imagining travel that is hopefully to come. So I'm Scott in Bangkok, and you are... Trevor in Phnom Penh. Hey. Hey, what's Scott. Going on? Hey, not much, you know. I like this topic idea, you know, like uh, since COVID happened last year, you know, I've set my mind on a bunch of passion projects, and I've kept myself really busy and motivated and everything, and now a bunch of them are all coming to fruition, and I can see the end of the year coming, and... I have friends and family who've started traveling again. So I was like, yeah, wouldn't it be fun? Like at some point this is going to end someday. This, this thing's going to end. What are we going to do? What's it going to be like? How, how is travel going to be different? Uh, I thought it would be a fun topic to discuss. Yeah. This one kind of came about organically and any of you listening here know that we've sort of avoided COVID the last, well, since COVID kind of happened, because frankly, when you listen to this, you don't need to think about it and we don't particularly want to think about it, but is that time we, there are lights emerging and you know, I, you just said what you've done during the COVID period and you should be really proud of that. And I also, you know, did a lot of learning and certifications. I got a new job and did a lot of traveling last year when things were pretty mellow here in Thailand. So I feel like both of us have made great use of time and are making great use of time. That said, yes, this episode, we're going to kind of look ahead a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, it's like a little different than like, you know, we've talked about, Hey, where do we want to travel first? Hey, what are we going to do next? Um, because like, obviously like I want to go to Hawaii. I want to go surf. I want to use that Indo trip that we talked about on the planning a surf trip. But I think this was more like, okay, what's travel going to be like? You know, like I'm, I, I will come back to Thailand. And when I go to Thailand, like there's certain places that I want to go to. And what's that going to be like? That, that experience is going to be different. And these are places I visited before. You know, I go back to certain places after, you know, every four or five years, sometimes after 10 years. But I re- revisit, revisit places often just to enjoy how they change. And I think the change is going to be really different now and in some good ways. Uh, There's going to be some weird ones and some tricky ones. But I think uh, in general, I'm kind of excited for, for the future of travel. Me too. And selfishly, as much as I just want everything to improve, I've gotten spoiled with there not being people everywhere. Thailand had just shy of 40 million visitors in 2019. And, you know, now I'm used to going out for a walk or a jog or a bike past, you know, the Grand Palace. And there is almost literally no one. But look, before we get into it, I think all of you know, Trevor and I cover the costs of doing this show out of our own pockets. We do it for the love of sharing and travel, but we do have wonderful people called patrons. And if you go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, you can sponsor the show from just a wee bit of money 
right up to as much as you want a month. But everybody that donates between every regular episode gets something. And it's more often than not now a little short bonus episode. Sometimes it's videos and stuff like that. So Trevor, how are we going to approach this show? What's the format? Um, I don't know, you know, like you drafted some like kind of sketch outline notes. And you know, when I was adding to it over the past couple of weeks, I noticed that like, my ideas kept sort of changing, because this is such a fluid topic, and we really don't have a crystal ball, you know. So I think like the first thing you wrote down was just where to go first. And one of the things that I thought about was just that like, you know, I'm planning my birthday trip, this beach trip we want to take here in Cambodia in a month. And it's a whole bunch of people that suddenly have this week off because it's a holiday. And we're like, hey, let's all travel as like a, a large group of people. But then at the same time, like my parents are traveling there in Croatia, I have my friend who's in, in Portugal. And it, I'm like, why don't I go meet them? Why don't I hook up with them somewhere? And I feel like the whole world soon is all going to have the opportunity to travel anywhere they want. And we're going to maybe want to meet up. You know, you'll have a friend you haven't seen from New York, a friend from LA, a friend from Paris, people that we're normally Zooming with, you know, like the same group of people we usually like kind of FaceTime with, maybe we'll all want to, we'll all agree to meet somewhere together and have a holiday together. And I think that might be a really cool way to kick off the travel. Yeah. Reunions is a really cool one you put down here. And, and, you know, number one on my list is just getting home and seeing my parents and hopefully some friends there. But yes, beyond that, I think you will see a lot of people picking that hub wherever it is in the world for those people. Then they'll say, yeah, let's all meet in, you know, Germany or let's meet in Phnom Penh or let's meet wherever it is. Those reunions are something we we really are going to, I mean, I'm excited about, right? And I think without a doubt, and I think we're thinking like travel company owners and guidebook writers that live where we do, you and I, for us, both of us, I think you got to think of one to two spots that you really want to see that you're only going to see without crowds, like as soon as it opens, as soon as you can do it. Right. So for you, Trevor, what are you thinking? Where would you go to do that? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I haven't put that much deep thought into like where, where I want to go before the crowds get there. I mean, every time I'm in CM Rip and I get to go to Encore, I value that time where there's no people just having it all to myself and the solitude and the peacefulness. So I'm still doing that as often as possible. But, you know, I watch a lot of surf videos and surf and there's been people who are trapped in like surf destinations that just surf those spots every day but there's definitely still like some beaches and 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 breaks i think that you know even like after this tsunami going down to like pp island and and seeing the area with no tourists then and and like you know there's got to be a lot of places just that along the coast that uh in thailand southern thailand that that like without tourists are just going to be so much more peaceful like they were the old days you know I think of any of the major sites are the ones that come to my mind. So be it, you know, the Taj Mahal or whatever that great thing is a country has that everyone goes for. I think if there's one of those you want to see, you got to go. You got to punch the button as quick as you can. And even though I've been to Siem Reap and the temples of Angkor probably, I don't know, 15, 20 times, I want to get over there again because I am still truly in love with it. And I really want to see it without the big crowd. So that's a very big one for me. But I have to get to Canada first to see my family. We've established that. I would also really love, but it could probably wait a while, something we've talked about, traveling by road, probably on motorbike from Phnom Penh up to the border with Laos following the Mekong River. You know, tertiary spots, boy, I'd love to go to Myanmar, but it's a mess there. No one's going there for a while even 
post-COVID. But what I keep going back into my mind is when we talked to Tom Vader about going to Calcutta and then heading north on the train up to the Himalayas where the Dalai Lama lives. Like that one's really been on my mind. Yeah, I mean, there's some destinations that are still going to have lots of people. Like even if you travel to China, I suppose going to like the Great Walls on your bucket list, there's still so many Chinese tourists traveling there, right? So I mean, there's that those domestic crowds. So I wonder if India, like Calcutta, like that train wouldn't necessarily be like empty, obviously. I mean, the lack of tourists, I don't know how many tourists go there. What I was thinking more really was about the experience of exploring again. Like if you went to some of these destinations that kind of are on your bucket list that might be a little bit off the beaten path, like the infrastructure to take people there and to get people around, like might not be up and running again. Like, you know, suppose you want to do some island hopping, you don't know what boats are connecting which islands or how frequently they're going to run, you know, and I feel like that spirit of adventure, like getting off a plane and not being sure where you're going to get from A to B or how certain things are going to happen because like things aren't in place the way they used to be. And kind of that spirit of like, just adventure travel like will be more tangible in places that that were even formerly kind of popular i hope it's two-sided one in that all the maps the even the google maps the online guidebooks info sources as far as where to stay and eat and stuff that it will all have to be rewritten and it will change and emerge in the first year i also hope that people embrace the spirit you just talked about and say I've been fucking staring at Zoom and Googling for two years. I'm just going to ask people. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to talk to travelers. I'm going to do it like it was done in you know the mid-90s. I hope there is for a while that not reliance on the technical quite as much. You know, It might be a bit too much hope, but the early days for at least where to stay and where to eat will probably be like that to a certain degree. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, I was just kind of daydreaming about what the experience is going to be like, or even what it was like back in the day. But like, uh, you made a note about like, kind of safety, not necessarily safety, but like health safety or cleanliness and stuff like that, you know. And one thing Mm. is like, even here where we have such a low risk of COVID exposure in Cambodia, like, you know, I I was thinking about like, whether I I would take a bus from Phnom Penh to Siem Reap. And I was like, ah, do I really want to be on a bus with people that like might be sick or something, you know? And I don't think necessarily that in the post COVID world, if we're imagining it's post COVID, like there, you're still going to have these concerns. So like when you show up in a place and you need to get from, from A to B to C, like you almost don't want to lock yourself into bookings for certain options beforehand until you can see it on the ground. You can see that bus and see whether it's crowded or see whether it's like well ventilated or other people wear masks. You know, I think you want to be more flexible. To that end, I'm hoping that flexibility will also help us like save money because like all of the travel options, whether they be like train seats or airplane seats or hotel rooms, like they're going to need to give a lot of last minute deals or they're going to be really trying to get your your dollars, you know, because it's going to be like a whole hotel full of empty rooms, you know, and, they, and, and maybe it's going to be easier to rock up to a hotel and they're not going to be full and they'll be like, yeah, sure, we'll give you a deal. I agree with you. I think those last minute deals, it will be probably the first year, a time of maybe, yeah, exactly. Walking up to the center of town, walking to a few hotels and just book things at the last minute. But you know, technology has become such a big part of travel in the last couple of decades. I, I see some technological trends like digital detox trips. Now, these have been written about and talked about, and I actually am not so sure humans have the ability to actually fight the the real love we have for our devices. That said, I mean, I hope selfie spots burn, spontaneously burn and flame up. 
the having to take a photo of yourself in every single spot and even those designated spots with a frame or here's where to take your photos. I hope we end up with no selfie zones and I hope that we don't have to be video calling our friends all the time. And I hope that we don't have to be documenting exactly what we're doing at that moment or how awesome it is at that moment all the time. I kind of hope that's something we leave in the past. Gosh, I hope so, but I don't think so. Like right now, the selfies that we're taking, we're like, look, I'm the only person at this amazing <laughs> spot. It's going to be, look, only 500 people. Yeah, I think there's also going to be a slew of new travel apps. Like some of them that you knew before will not be as useful. They'll go out of business and you're going to have lots of other apps emerge. And, and the way you actually book travel and where you go for your info sources, I think that's going to change a, a, a wheel bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't really predict how that's going to happen. I mean, you would presume it would, but uh, at the same time, you know, I mean, I, I wonder how many like startups have been like gobbled up or failed and had to be absorbed by bigger companies that are going to control more of the, the, the market and technology and travel at the same time, you know? Yeah. And I think there's no question, although no one really knows what that one single digital passport of sorts that shows you're vaccinated will be, but we're definitely got to be working towards that, right? Like if we can make a passport and it wasn't long ago, you traveled with that little yellow book with your doctor would hand, right? That you'd had typhoid or polio or smallpox. There is going to have to be some digital proof that I think within the next six to 12 months by mid year, 2022, the world's kind of agreed upon is somehow that proves that you've been vaccinated because vaccination is clearly the way forward and we're not going to get rid of quarantines and we're not really going to be traveling until vaccinated travelers are able to travel. Yeah. You know, that's funny because I recently, when I was in my moving back and forth between Siem Reap and Phnom Penh, I found some paperwork and I have like not a record of every single vaccination I've ever had, but like three sets of measles vaccinations and like rabies and, you know, like so many things living in the the tropics. Uh, What's another one? I'll take three more as long as I don't get sick from some crazy tropical disease. So here's another, uh, if we're talking crazy worst case scenarios a little bit, you made a note about over-tourism. You know, when you mentioned that people are going to go to their bucket list places first, like, yeah, and you do want to do that. And that makes sense to go to like the Taj Mahal, like as soon as possible. So you can experience it without so many people, but then everybody's going to be doing that. And like, I think these places that were already in threat of being over-touristed are going to be the first places to be welcoming back tourists. And like, I hope they're doing a really good job at managing it. Cause like here at Angkor, like they've redone all these roads and I'm pretty sure they're going to control the flow of what the way people go through the temples, like much more efficiently and stuff. So, so hopefully like over-tourism can be managed in some destinations as they open up and, and realize that, you know, like health is one reason, like keeping crowd numbers and people spaced out is a reason for doing so. But maybe like museums and stuff will have like less visitors. So you, if you go to the Louvre, it won't be such a, a crazy place anymore. I think it's going to come in, in kind of three waves, pun not intended here. But once you're able to travel vaccinated, as we kind of just talked about, the first year, places won't be swamped. Year two, those key sites, e.g. Angkor Wat, e.g. Paris, certain places are going to get crushed. Like it is just going to be people will understandably and rightfully just want to make as much as they can. And then in years three and four, places will realize even cities like Barcelona or you just pick your major site are going to go, okay, fuck, this is crazy. We remember we had a problem before 
COVID. And then those rules or those maybe sign up times to go to a temple or to a museum or regulation of numbers, that's going to come. But I think year one, real moderate, two to three gets nuts. And three to four, they sort of then start to implement some of these over tourism policies. Yeah, because even Hawaii, there's like protests in Maui and the Big Island, I think, about uh, too many tourists and, the, you know, especially expanding capacity, you know, like as all these hotels start to open up, you know, and like airlines, they, they can't necessarily gauge how it's going to go. And that supply demand is, is going to be interesting, I think, you know. One that I really hope sticks, and this is more for our part of the world, anywhere in the developing world is just that higher level of sanitation. You know, a lot of places in, we'll just say Asia where we are, but developing world, people haven't really learned about soap or a lot of little restaurants or even at malls that people working at proper restaurants will go to the communal toilet and there wasn't even soap. I remember a day when there wasn't soap in the toilet and you think now everyone, almost everyone, even in poor rural areas has been using hand gel for a year and a half or so. And I hope that little step sticks because you know what, if you get a lot of people that just a handful of times a day, clean their hands, you greatly reduce diarrhea and a lot of common stomach stuff like that is a massive positive step forward. So I hope that regularly cleaning of hands sticks, especially in the developing world. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you know, here they, they always have like a little spray bottle and you have to put your money in a basket and then they spray the money with a little like spray bottle with sanitizer on the money before they right. take it. And, and it's funny because like in CM Reup, the money's dirtier than it is in Phnom Penh. And some of that money are like, eh, like spray this one too, you know? <laughs> um, but I feel that the clean thing, you know, on the flip side of that, maybe I was in the pool the other day here in Phnom Penh and this flock of like 10 hornbills flew over. You know, we were just talking before the show about the monkeys on my our porch, you know? And I just feel like with less tourists less people out like nature has sort of started to like encroach a bit more on on the world and wildlife seems to have responded in a positive way to that and i hope that maybe we can uh, learn to appreciate that or cohabitate a little bit better with nature in some of our tourist areas yeah that's a really good point and you know i'll take an example that i saw tonight like right downtown bangkok lumpini park is really only about a kilometer maybe 1.2 kilometers on any side. And there's lots of monitor lizards in there. And you see them in normal times. But the couple times the park has closed over the last year and a half, today it just opened for the first day. They're out so much more. And they're visible anyway, but they're walking across paths and you realize how quickly nature kind of bounces back. And I hope you're right. I hope that we somehow treat them a bit better. You know, one thing I've really thought, it's interesting, I thought of Y2K. Anybody that's old enough that remembers that, right? The year was going to come to 2000 and everything was just going to stop. <laughs> and I was thinking about a, a, a something that was an issue and the future and it was going to be a trend and it never really happened and it's not going to happen. Travel bubbles. Those were debated through this whole pandemic. No two countries ever got to a point where you could really just be moving people between those two. And to me, that's the great Y2K of this. Until now, until you're vaccinated, it's happening. Travel bubbles didn't work, aren't going to work. There's no such thing as a travel bubble. Okay, yeah. You know, it was, you're right. It was really hopeful. And it was like, yeah, we could all just hang out and travel to each other's countries. And and it didn't really happen. And, you know, I was even thinking that it's going to go the other way, maybe. Because, like, before COVID, there was like, hey, you know, maybe Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia will finally get, like, a same visa. So you only needed one visa for all those countries. And now I feel like that's, like, not going to happen anytime soon. I know you had a note here about digital nomads. Tell me about that. Yeah, I just had an idea where like 
if it's going to become like somewhat of a hassle to travel, you know, if you got to go through a lot of hoops to like get to some places, like maybe you'll end up wanting to like stay in a region longer, you know, like if you're going to have to go to, to Bangkok, maybe you should visit every country in Southeast Asia while you're there. And maybe it should just be like a year. And one of the things I was thinking is like yourself, you're working at home. This, this woman that I work yeah. with, she's in Croatia, like working remotely from Singapore. Right. And like maybe people who are already working remotely and now you suddenly have the opportunity to travel, you'll take like a year or six months and like, you know, go work remotely from some region. I think that might become a trend. I think it is one of the great trends that is going to happen is, and it goes beyond just travel, but the redefining of the workplaces, there's no way a hundred percent of employees are going to the same building on the same days at the same time. Some companies will try to pull people back and I think they'll find an in-between space where some people work half a week there and half a week from home. And then there's the flexibility you're talking about that I think will happen. I hope will happen is people will be able to do those jobs where, oh, I'm going to be in Bangkok for two months and, oh, I'm going to be in South Africa and I'm going to be in Croatia is that you can kind of be anywhere and it does give you the opportunity to maybe rather than get tied up in a mortgage and sit for 20, 30 years in your town is literally experience parts of the world, being a professional in those areas. I I hope you're right. And I think it is going to come. You're going to see a lot more of that in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, hopefully uh, we can all rock that. That would be nice. And we could all like hang out and travel and meet up in places. Um, you know, like maybe uh, as we're getting towards the end of the show, I was thinking about some other things. You know, I, I really enjoyed being out in nature when we mentioned that and just being up in Siem Reap and up around the trees inside the archaeological park there. I miss the ocean and, and I just love the outdoors so much. Yeah, I just need to get out to nature. I was hoping, like, that was it. It was like, I was thinking about festivals, like outdoor music festivals, things like that would be great. Because my last trip was supposed to be to go to Prague to see Rage Against the Machine. And maybe, like, big crazy shows like that would be too much. But I could, like, go to Red Rocks or someplace like that and see a show would be pretty cool. So, you know, that last bit got me thinking of where does this all end. And for myself, I love this city, but I would love to think in those five to ten coming years that I'll have the opportunity to be outdoors more because as much as not having a job kind of sucked, boy, I went a lot of neat places and I rode outside a lot. And you could architect that life where you're out and you've had two hours doing something by the time you start at nine or you start at 11 if that's when you want to start. And I hope there's some of that for me in the next five to 10 years. And I'd also love to bring other people to meet me to think and grow and learn together in neat spots doing neat things. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was saying, like I mentioned it in my notes, but I didn't say it, like the anti-Zoom meetings, you know, like we used to like meet on virtually and have like, hopefully in, in a, a year or two or three, we'll be like, God, remember when we used to all have meetings online? And instead we'll just be like meeting up in cool different locations around the world and like all working virtually together. I think it's very possible. Well, I feel like we've talked about things that are entirely probable and possible. And again, we see a light at the end of the tunnel, which we were unable to see for a long time. So let's hope that continues. Everyone get vaccinated. Keep washing your hands. Stay healthy. (laughs) And we look forward to meeting you one day. We do know that those of you that are listening, we're going to be having a cold one in not too long. So thanks for listening. Give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Trevor, wrap this baby up. 
Yeah, I want to thank people for listening and thank our patrons again for donating. Again, then everybody else, you can go to talktravelasia.com, uh, our website. We make really good show notes. We usually have Google Maps and links to all sorts of stuff. And then for our patrons, we do uh, members-only kind of donor updates and videos every other week. And uh, that's where we talk about like our upcoming travel plans. Uh, so if you want to get in on one of these meetups with us somewhere, uh, you know, make a small donation and uh, you'll, you'll hear in real time where we're heading to, to planning to head soon. So thanks everyone for listening. And Scott, uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. Roger that. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp?